Good morning, brothers and sisters. We extend a warm welcome to everyone who has joined us in church this morning for worship of our triune God. We also extend a special welcome to all visitors who have joined us this morning here in church or with us remotely via the live stream. Today we are privileged to celebrate Holy Supper in communion. May we all be comforted and encouraged by the preaching of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May God be praised and glorified by our worship. Consistory has the following announcements. Ian and Isa Repley have requested to join the Freeford Church of Southern River. Having considered their motives as well their knowledge of scripture and confession, Consistory resolves with thankfulness to the Lord to grant their requests. If no lawful objections are brought forward, by the 26th of June, their adult baptisms will take place, the Lord willing, on Sunday the 30th of July in the morning service. As a Free Reformed Church of Southern River, we have extended a call to candidate Tim Sla for the purpose of mission work in Papua New Guinea. This morning, the worship service will be led by Reverend Poppy. And before we commence the worship service, let us sing together hymn 61, verse 1 and 2.
Please rise and let's worship the Lord. As God's people, we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen. Let's now sing together from Psalm 33, verse 1. has given us his law in order to teach us how to live in a relationship together with him. Let's listen to the words of God's law as it comes to us this morning in Deuteronomy chapter 5. The Lord said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that it is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and who keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you, or your son, or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, or your ox, or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to celebrate, to keep the Sabbath day. 
Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long, and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, and you shall not commit adultery, and you shall not steal, and you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, and you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, or his male servant or his female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Our Lord tells us about his heart for us a little later in the chapter. It is in Deuteronomy 5 verse 29. He says, Oh, that they had such a heart as this always to fear me and to keep all my commandments that it might go well with them and with their descendants forever. Let us confess our sins to the Lord. Let's ask God for his grace and forgiveness and be encouraged in our relationship together with him. First, let's sing together from Psalm 119, verse 26. now pray to God and let's ask God for his blessing. Almighty God and Father in heaven, you are good and what you do is good. You're God who always does good to his people. You're God who made a good creation. You're God who is righteous, who's kind, and is also forgiving in nature. Lord, we thank you that you have given us your law. It is a good law. It is through this good law that you teach us about who you are, about your character, about what you value, about the things that are important to you. And at the same time, Lord, you also teach us that you desire that we, that we love your law, that our hearts would be inclined to fear you, and that we keep all of your commandments always. And you want this, Lord, because of your goodness because it is your desire to bless us. You want it to go well with us all our days, and you want it to go well with our children after us. And so, Lord, we humble ourselves before you. We have to confess to you that many times we are not good. There is no one who does good, no, not one. 
There's none who's righteous. Everyone is turned aside, and everyone has gone his own way. And so often that's the experience of our lives as well, Lord. We are those who, who know what we ought to do. We know what you teach us. You know what, we, what you want for us. And yet in our hearts, sometimes we still want evil. We still commit evil. And so we humble ourselves before you because of that. And we want to ask you for your grace and forgiveness. Please be merciful, Lord. Please take away our sins. And please show us grace for Jesus' sake. Thank you for your goodness that you delight to show grace and that you delight to show mercy. Father, we thank you that you encourage us in this with your word. Thank you also that you wish to encourage us through the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. We pray that you would please build up our faith in you, that as we, we taste a little piece of bread and we sip a little bit of wine, that we may be encouraged that we share in the body and blood of Christ, and that through faith that we receive the forgiveness of all our sins. Help us to remember that Jesus Christ is righteous before you, and that his righteousness is accounted to us as a gift of your grace. Please also change us, Lord, that we become new people, that we are those who walk in goodness before you, who love your law, and who obey your commands. Father, thank you for the, for the gift that you give us, that we also get to experience fellowship with one another. Thank you for the communion of the saints that we may have. Please build up the communion this morning also through the celebration of the Lord's Supper, and please grant that we may experience that in the rest of this day and the, the coming week as well. Please hear us, Father. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, this morning I may preach to you the word of God concerning Galatians 5. The Lord teaches us there that a part of the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. In connection with that, I'd like to read one passage of Scripture with you. We're going to read together from Luke 6, the verses 27 to 36. So you can find that on page 1025 of your guest Bible. It's Luke 6. We're going to start reading at verse 27. Luke 6, verse 27, there God's word says, this is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you do not expect to receive, from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies, and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. So far the, the reading of God's word, let's now sing of this, this goodness of the Lord. 
We're going to sing together from Psalm 31, the verses 1 and 11. text this morning is taken from Galatians 5. It's Galatians 5 verse 22. It's a well-known text. I thought just to, to put these words into context, we'll just read a few verses around it. So I invite you to open your Bible, Galatians 5. We'll start reading it at verse 16 and we'll read through to the end of the chapter. You can find that on page 1157 of your guest Bible. So Galatians 5, starting in verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. 
so far. So we're going to look especially at the, the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Then after the proclamation of God's word, we're going to sing together from Psalm 15, the verses 1, 2, and 3. Dear brothers and sisters, congregation loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, every once in a while you meet someone, or you, you have a friend, you're talking to a friend, and he says to you, you should meet so-and-so. You should meet John. He's a really good guy. Well, the question becomes, what do, you, what do you mean when you say he's a really good guy? What does the word good mean? Think about it, it might seem kind of a generic word, kind of like nice. One of these words that, that we use but, but doesn't really have much meaning. But in actual fact, if you, if you think a little deeper about the word for good, then you realize that the word good is a, it's not a generic concept, but it has very specific connotations. One of the strong associations with the word, the word good can also be translated as generous. A good man is often a generous man. You see that in the Bible, you see it in real life. One biblical example, Matthew 20, you have this master. He hires a bunch of men, they work for most of the day. He hires some more at noon. He hires a few other guys at four o'clock in the afternoon. Then he goes to pay them, and he ends up paying the guys who work one hour. He pays them as much as the men who worked all day. Then the men who worked all day, they kind of felt cheated. I worked, we worked the heat of the day, and, and these guys showed up at the last minute, and they get paid just as much as we did. And the master says to them, do you begrudge my generosity? And it's the same word, do you begrudge my goodness? Many times, our goodness is expressed in our, our dealings with others. We have a generous spirit in our dealings with others. And it, it's not just limited to material things, it's often much broader than that. So if you think of someone who's, who's a good parent, you might say that. He's a really good parent, a really good mom, or a really good dad. Or, or if you have a really good teacher, or if you have a, a really good doctor, then what we often mean is we mean the person's competent, they're, they're very capable of doing what they need to do, but they also, they often go beyond what's expected of them. If you have a good teacher, you have a teacher who cares a lot about their students. And they're willing to go the extra distance, to go the extra mile, to look after their students and make sure it goes well for the students. A good doctor cares about his patients. He, he gives good advice. He prescribes good medication. But he also, he does it with heart. He cares about the people who he's looking after. Well, to be good means you have generosity of spirit. You really want what's best for the people around you. Real life, you can think of, of Tabitha, Acts 9.36. She was also known as Dorcas. Scripture says she was full of good works and acts of charity. You have a woman, she had quite a reputation within the church there that she did a lot of good for a lot of people. She had a lot of charity in her dealings with others. And then another part of being good is that you also do what's right. In the Bible, the these two words, righteous, being righteous, and being good, they're often used in really close association. 
So we, we can think, for example, Deuteronomy 6.18, after telling the Israelites to obey the commandments, then Moses continues, he says, and you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may go well with you. So doing what's good and doing what's righteous is synonymous. For another passage, Isaiah 1.17, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the widow's cause. So if you're a good man, that you do what's good and right in the eyes of the Lord. You're just in your dealings with others. You make sure that, that you handle yourself in a way that's righteous. And then on top of that, there's another connotation. A good person is someone who's willing to do the right thing even when no one sees him, or even if it costs him. So you are, it, it has a sense, there's, there's a sense of integrity about goodness. What you see is what you get. You're the same all the way through. And so even if no one's watching you, you still do what's good. Or even if it costs you dearly, you still do the good, the right thing in that situation. And that's really, that comes out in the reading that we did just a minute ago. In Luke 6, the Lord Jesus says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who abuse you. God saying, do good to those who hate you. And the next verse is Christ says that lots of people will do good if the other person is going to do good back to them. That's a normal thing. But he says a good man is someone who does good even if they expect nothing in return. And then Christ, he says, if you do that, then one of the really striking things is that you model your Father who is in heaven. Because this is who God is. The Lord is a good God who does good for his enemies and who is merciful to those who don't deserve it. You know, goodness is an essential character trait of the Lord our God. I love the quote I read earlier this week when I was preparing the sermon. As it is the nature of water to be wet or fire to be hot, so it is the nature of God to be good. It's an essential part of his being. It's really striking. Exodus 33, verse 19, Moses asks, please show me your glory. I want to see you. And what does the Lord say? The Lord says to him, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim to you my name, the Lord, in your presence. And so the Lord identifies himself. Moses says, I want to see you. I want to see your glory. And, and the Lord responds. He, he identifies himself by his goodness. I will make my goodness. You want to see me, Moses? The defining feature of my character is my goodness. I will make my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim to you my name, the Lord. And then the Lord spells out some of his goodness. In the rest of that verse there, he says, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And so part of God's goodness is a propensity to show mercy and compassion to those who are before him. When you read through the scriptures, it's really amazing. The word good is used probably about 600 times in the Bible, 650 times. And when you read through the scriptures, and you read what it says about the Lord's goodness, then 
The first way that goodness is expressed is by showing grace and mercy and forgiveness and compassion to his people. I'll use just one example to celebrate that. It's in Psalm 86, verse 5. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call on you. Maybe one more example, Psalm 145, verse 7. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. And so in the first place, when it talks about the goodness of the Lord, it's associated with his willingness to forgive and show kindness and compassion to his people. And then the second part of his goodness, it also returns, refers to the material blessings, to his good gifts that he loves to give to his people. Jeremiah 31, verse 12, the prophet says of those who will be restored from the exile, he says, they shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion and shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, the wine, the oil, over the young flock, young of the flock and the herd, their life shall be like a watered garden and they shall languish no more. God expresses his goodness by bringing his people back out of exile, by bringing them into their own land, and by giving them many good things for them to enjoy. And so the point is that the Lord is a God who is very good. Goodness is an essential part of his character. And the really beautiful thing about the Lord's goodness is that it is so powerful that it has the ability to overcome evil. There are some people who commit evil. We all commit evil. And there are some times when the Lord, he looks at that and he says, I'm not going to allow that to continue, but I'm going to, I'm going to deal with that. And that is an aspect of his goodness. That through his grace, through his mercy, through his forgiveness and compassion, he overcomes the evil that people commit. And then there's other times that the Lord looks at the goodness that we commit and his, or sorry, at the evil we commit and his goodness is so great and it's so sovereign that he uses the evil that we commit to good end. Doesn't excuse the evil. Doesn't mean that evil's not evil. It's still evil. But the Lord's goodness is sovereign. The Lord's goodness is greater. And so you think, for example, of the the sermon that Dathan preached a while ago, you know, the situation with, with Joseph there, he gets sold by his brothers into Egypt. And in Genesis 50, then he reflects back on that. Joseph says to his brothers, he says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. But that doesn't mean that people didn't commit evil. These brothers did commit evil. They sold Joseph into slavery. But it also shows the sovereignty of God's goodness. His goodness is so great that it's more powerful than any evil that any person can commit. And then the, passage, the point of our passage here this morning, brothers and sisters, Galatians 5.22, is that the Lord tells us that if you believe in the Lord Jesus, then the goodness of God will also reside in your heart. As you have faith in Christ, then Christ will rest in your heart through his spirit and he will allow, to, allow you to share in the goodness of his nature. 
Now, that's, that's not who we are by nature. We're not good people. Paul talks about that, Romans 3. No one does, what, no one does what's good. No, not one. And in Romans 7, verse 18, he makes it personal. He says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. What he also does is he tells us here that if we are in Christ, then we get to share in his goodness. So the Apostle Paul, the Apostle John says, 3 John verse 11, whoever does good is from God. When God lives in your heart, then he changes you. And then you get to, to live out the goodness of his character. Which leads me to ask you, brothers and sisters, are you a good person? When someone refers to you, do they say it of you? He's a really good man. She's a really good woman. Does what Christ say in Luke 6:45 apply to you? The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good? Do you have a generous spirit? Do you have a spirit of charity like Dorcas? Or a spirit of mercy and forgiveness like Joseph? Are you someone who does what's right also in secret? And are you willing to continue to do right if it costs you? It's a really beautiful life, brothers and sisters. If you believe in the Lord Jesus, then you share in his goodness. You share in the character of God. You can't manufacture it within yourself. You can't do it by working at it or trying to, to make yourself good. You can only do it by faith in your Savior. But it is as you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior that he will change you. He will make you into a new person. And the result is that you will be a good man. You will be a good woman. You will be a good boy or girl. And God will bless you for that. That's actually God's intention for your life. That's what he wants for you. In Ephesians 2, verse 10, after telling us that we've been saved by grace, that this is not our own doing, but the gift of God, then Paul continues, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You are created for good works. That's why God made you, so that you could do good, as he does good. And so he calls you. He says, since this is the truth, you must believe in the Lord Jesus. And that you must also put it into practice. You must do it. Romans 12, verse 19. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Or in Titus 1, verse 8, we're told of the qualifications of elders. And it says, one of the qualifications is that he loves what is good. If you're an elder, you hate evil and you love what is good. In Titus 3, verse 4, the Lord continues. He says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. So God saves us as an act of mercy. And then verse 8, he tells us what the consequence is. He says, the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. Since you've been saved by grace... God wants you to devote yourself to good works. 
Well, it's an incredible life, brothers and sisters. You get to share in the nature of God. You get to be someone who's filled with love and care for those around you. You get to delight in doing what's good. You get to experience the joy of seeing the blessing that, that good, of your good and what it, what it brings in other people's lives. And you get to share the power of the gospel over sin and evil. Just as God has overcome evil with his goodness, so he also says, we his people, we can overcome evil with our goodness. That's what he says in Romans 12, verse 19. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Is it possible? Well, absolutely. That's the message of the gospel. Through union with Christ, you get to share in his nature. In a minute, brothers and sisters, you're going to be invited to the Lord's table here. It is by faith that you share in Christ and you share in all his benefits. You also share in his goodness. It's through faith in him that not only are your sins forgiven, but that you share in the spirit of Christ who makes you and recreates you into the image of your Savior. Amen. Well, let's sing, brothers and sisters. We're going to sing from Psalm 15. It's a psalm where, where God celebrates the, the man of integrity, the man who, who does good even when it hurts. Psalm 15, the verses 1, 2, and 3.
We now have the opportunity to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Before we do so, let's first read together the form for the celebration of the Lord's Supper. If you want to follow along, you can find that on page 603 of your Book of Praise. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Supper has been instituted by our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to the words of this institution as described by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, the verses 23 to 29. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. In order that we may now celebrate this Holy Supper of the Lord to our comfort, we must first rightly examine ourselves. Further, we must use it as Christ intended it, namely to his remembrance. True self-examination consists of the following three parts. First, let everyone consider his sins and accursedness so that he, detesting himself, may humble himself before God. For the wrath of God against sin is so great that he could not leave it unpunished, but has punished it in his beloved son, Jesus Christ, by the bitter and shameful death on the cross. Second, let everyone search his heart whether he also believes the sure promise of God that all his sins are forgiven him only for the sake of the suffering and death of Jesus Christ, and that the perfect righteousness of Christ is freely given him as his own, as if he himself had fulfilled all righteousness. Third, let everyone examine his conscience, whether it is his sincere desire to show true thankfulness to God with his entire life, and laying aside all enmity, hatred, and envy to live with his neighbor in true love and unity. God will certainly receive in grace those who are thus minded, and count them worthy to partake of the supper of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who do not feel this testimony in their hearts eat and drink judgment upon themselves. Therefore, according to the command of Christ and of the Apostle Paul, we admonish all those who know themselves to be guilty of the following offensive sins to abstain from the table of the Lord. And we declare to them that they have no part in the kingdom of Christ. All who refuse to trust in the Lord alone, or who serve him in their own manner. All who abuse the name of the Lord by cursing, or in any other way. All who do not diligently attend the worship services, and who despise the proclamation of God's word or the sanctity of the sacraments. All who are disobedient to their parents or to others in authority over them. All who violate human life or cherish hatred against their neighbor and refuse to be reconciled to him. All who either within or outside of holy wedlock do not keep their bodies pure. All who by stealing, greed, or extravagance lead a worldly life. All liars, backbiters, and slanderers, briefly all who either in word or conduct show themselves to be unbelieving, 
by leading an offensive life. While they persist in their sins, they shall not take of the supper which Christ has ordained only for his believers. Otherwise, their judgment and condemnation will be the heavier. But all this, beloved brothers and sisters, is not meant to discourage broken and contrite hearts, as if only those who are without sin may come to the table of the Lord. For we do not come to this supper to declare that we are perfect and righteous in ourselves. On the contrary, we seek our, our life outside of ourselves in Jesus Christ. And in doing so, we acknowledge that we are dead in ourselves. We also are aware of our many sins and shortcomings. We do not have perfect faith. We do not serve God with such zeal as he requires. Daily, we have to contend with the weakness of our faith and with the evil desires of our flesh. Yet by the grace of the Holy Spirit, we are heartily sorry for these shortcomings and desire to fight against our unbelief and to live according to all the commandments of God. Therefore, we may be fully assured that no sin or weakness which still remains in us against our will can prevent us from being received by God in grace and from being made worthy partakers of this heavenly food and drink. Let's now consider for what purpose the Lord has instituted his supper, namely that we should use it in remembrance of him. We are to remember him in the following manner. First, first of all, let's fully trust that the Lord Jesus Christ was sent by the Father into the world according to the promises made from the beginning to the fathers in the Old Testament, and that he assumed our flesh and blood. From the beginning of his incarnation to the end of his life on earth, he bore for us the wrath of God, under which we should have perished eternally. By his perfect obedience, he has for us fulfilled all the righteousness of God's law. We remember in particular that the weight of the wrath of God caused by our sins pressed out of him sweat like drops of blood falling on the ground in the Garden of Gethsemane. There he was bound that he might free us from our sins. He suffered countless insults that we might never be put to shame. Though innocent, he was condemned to death that we might be acquitted at the judgment seat of God. He even let his blessed body be nailed to the cross that he might cancel the bond which stood against us because of our sins. By all this, he has taken our curse upon himself that he might fill us with his blessing. On the cross, he humbled himself in body and soul to the very deepest shame and anguish of hell. Then he called out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That we might be accepted by God and nevermore be forsaken by him. Finally, by his death and the shedding of his blood, he confirmed the new and eternal testament, the covenant of grace, when he said, It is finished in order that we might firmly believe that we belong to this covenant of grace, the Lord Jesus Christ, during his last Passover, instituted the Holy Supper. He gave the bread and the cup to his disciples in remembrance of him. He taught us to understand that as often as we eat this bread and drink from this cup, we are reminded and assured of his hearty love and faithfulness towards us. It is a sure pledge that he has given his body and shed his blood for us. Otherwise, we would have suffered eternal death. He nourishes and refreshes our hungry and thirsty souls with his crucified body and shed blood to everlasting life, as certainly as this bread is broken before our eyes and this cup is given to us 
and we eat and drink in remembrance of him. From this institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ, we learn that he directs our faith and trust to his perfect sacrifice once offered on the cross. It is the only ground of our salvation. Thereby he has become to our hungry and thirsty souls the true food and drink of life eternal. For by his death he has removed the cause of our eternal hunger and misery, which is sin, and obtained for us the life-giving spirit. By this spirit, who dwells in Christ as the head and in us as his members, we have true communion with him, and we share in all his riches, life eternal, righteousness, and glory. By the same spirit, we are also united in true brotherly love as members of one body. For the Apostle Paul says, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. As one bread is baked out of many grains and one wine is pressed out of many grapes, so we all, incorporated in Christ by faith, are together one body. For the sake of Christ, who so exceedingly loved us first, we shall now love one another and shall show this to one another, not just in words, but also in deeds. Finally, Christ has commanded us to celebrate the Holy Supper until he comes. We receive at his table a foretaste of the abundant joy which he has promised, and we look forward to the marriage feast of the Lamb when he will drink the wine new with us in the kingdom of his Father. Let us rejoice and give him the glory, for the marriage feast of the Lamb is coming. May the Almighty, Heavenly God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ help us in this through his Holy Spirit. Amen. To receive all this, let's now humble ourselves before God in true faith and call upon him. Merciful God and Father, we thank you that in this supper we cherish the blessed memory of the bitter death of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. Work in our hearts through the Holy Spirit so that we may entrust ourselves more and more to your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant that our contrite hearts may be nourished with his true body and blood. It's with him who is the only heavenly bread that we may not live in our sins, but Christ in us and we in him. Let us so truly be partakers of the new and everlasting testament, the covenant of grace, that we do not doubt that you will forever be our gracious father, never more imputing to us our sins, but providing us with all things for body and soul as your dear children and heirs. Grant us your grace, Father, that we may take up our cross joyfully, deny ourselves, and confess our Savior. Let us, in all tribulation, await our Lord Jesus Christ, who will come from heaven to change our mortal body to be like his glorious body, and to take us to himself forever. Hear us, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Brothers and sisters, if you now please rise, then we'll make a profession of our Catholic and undoubted Christian faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed as set to music in hymn one.
brothers and sisters, in order that we may now be nourished with Christ, the true heavenly bread, we must not cling with our hearts to the outward symbols of bread and wine, but we must lift our hearts on high in heaven where Christ our advocate is at the right hand of his heavenly Father. Let's not doubt that we will be nourished and refreshed in our souls with his body and blood through the working of the Holy Spirit as truly as we receive this holy bread and drink in remembrance of him. Brothers and sisters, we'll now proceed to the celebration of the Lord's Supper. All confessing members of the congregation of our congregation here in Southern River are invited to the Lord's table. We also invite a few visitors who provide an attestation of their faith to consistory. In the first place, Brother and Sister Verbulen from the Free Reformed Church of West Albany, and also Sister Coster from the Free Reformed Church of Albany. You're most welcome to join us. And then beyond that, if you are not a member of this congregation or announced visitor, we ask that you not come forward to join us in eating and drinking at the table. It's in no way a judgment on your faith or your relationship with Christ, because we can't ascertain that. Instead, it's because God teaches us in 1 Corinthians 11 that the Lord's Supper is a communal celebration. It must be kept holy and promote the unity of faith within this congregation. For this reason, the attendance of the Lord's Supper is closely supervised. It's an effort to ensure that the guests are true believers, that they're faithful in their adherence to the Reformed faith, and that they also lead a godly life. And even though you may not attend, we still encourage you to remain with us during this time by observing the celebration and also hearing the word. May your faith in Christ be strengthened and built up. So at this time, I'd like to invite to the table those who are um, confessing members or those who, who come to us with an attestation. And actually, before we do so, let's first sing together. We're going to sing from hymn 59, verse 1.
Brothers and sisters, the bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take, eat from it all of you. Remember and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was broken for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take some bread and eat. cup of blessing for which you give thanks is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take, drink from it all of you. Remember and believe that the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take and drink. I'd like to read a few passages with you this morning that celebrate the goodness of the Lord and also call us to reflect that goodness in our lives. first passage I'd like to read with you is taken from Galatians 6. We're going to read the verses 7 through 10. So let's read together Galatians 6, starting at verse 7. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And let us not weary, grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So far, let's now sing together. We're going to sing of the the goodness of the Lord. We're going to sing from Psalm 86, verse 1. Thank you. 
Brothers and sisters, the bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take, eat from it all of you. Remember and believe that the, the body of our Lord Jesus was broken for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take some and eat. Brothers and sisters, the cup of blessing for which we give thanks is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take, drink from it all of you. Remember and believe that the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take and drink. Next verses I'd like to read with you is taken from 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'm going to read a few verses, 1 Timothy 6, starting at verse 17. It's one of the passages where the Lord encourages us to reflect his goodness in our dealings with others. 1 Timothy 6, starting at verse 17. There God's word says... As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So far, let's now sing together. The second verse about the goodness of the Lord, Psalm 86, verse 2.
Brothers and sisters, the bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take, eat from it all of you. Remember and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was broken for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take and eat. cup of blessing for which you give thanks is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take, drink from it all of you, remember and believe that the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take some, some wine and drink. The next passage I'd like to read with you is taken from the book of Titus. In Titus 2, read a little bit of the encouragement that Titus gives for life in the congregation, and then after that, the Apostle Paul has some encouragement for young men, specifically for Titus. So you find that on page 1184 of your guest Bible. So Titus 2, we're going to read together the verses 7 and 8. There God's word says, show yourselves in all respect to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show in integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. So far, let's now sing together Psalm 86, verse 3.
Brothers and sisters, the bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take, eat from it all of you, remember and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was broken for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take and eat. Once again, the cup of blessing for which we give thanks is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take, drink from it all of you. Remember and believe that the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take and eat and drink. The next passage I'd like to read with you is taken from Titus 3. So just the next page, page 1185. We're going to read together from Titus 3, the verses 4 through 8. In Titus 3, there God's word continues, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people so far. Let's sing together the next verse, Psalm 86, verse 4.
the last table for this morning. Brothers and sisters, the bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take, eat from it, all of you. Remember and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was broken for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take and eat. The cup of blessing for which you give thanks is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take, drink from it all of you. Remember and believe that the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take some and drink. Brothers and sisters, let's finish off with the, with the doxology, with the words of praise to the Lord for the gifts of his grace, also expressed in the Lord's Supper. Read together the, the last part of the form here, page 607. Beloved in the Lord, since the Lord has now nourished our souls at his table, let us together praise his holy name. Let everyone say in his heart, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? But God chose his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Therefore my heart and my mouth shall proclaim the praise of the Lord from now on and forevermore. Amen. 
Well, let us praise our Lord, brothers and sisters. Let's do so by singing together from Psalm 86, verse 5. Brothers and sisters, let's now give thanks to the Lord for the gifts of his grace. In our prayer this morning, we'll also remember some of the members of our congregation specifically. Um, we'll remember, we'll bring before God our brother Ron and our brother Wally Tenhaf and their families. Um, so their, their brother Harry, um, this past week, has ended his own life. So we'll ask the Lord to, to comfort the family, to be near to them as they, they grieve his loss, and also to, to give them a, yeah, the comfort of of the scriptures as they come to grips with this. We'll also remember with gratitude the gift of new life that the Lord has given to our brother and sister Sean and Louisa Brand 
They can have a healthy baby girl. Her name is Catherine Maria. Also, thank God that the candidate whom we called, candidate Tim Slaw, that he passed his classical examination this past week. He's also received two other calls, one from the church in Tabor, Alberta, and a second call for mission work in Mexico. So we'll ask the Lord to also grant wisdom to our brother as he makes decisions about these calls. Let's pray to God. Merciful God and Father, we thank you that in your boundless mercy, you have given us your only begotten Son as our mediator. Father, we praise you that he is the sacrifice for our sins and our food and drink to life eternal. Thank you that you give us a true faith through which we may share in such great benefits. Through your Son, you've instituted the Holy Supper for the strengthening of our faith. We earnestly ask you, faithful God and Father, that by your Holy Spirit, this celebration may lead to our daily increase in true faith and our fellowship with Christ, your beloved Son. Lord, thank you for your goodness in which you show us this grace and mercy. We pray that you help us to often reflect on this, this goodness. We pray that we may reflect this goodness in our dealings with others. Grant, Lord, that we may be good as you are good. Please grant that your spirit would live in us, that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, that you recreate us into his image, and that we are able to do good works, which you prepared beforehand for us to do. Father, thank you that you will secure this, because you are a powerful God, and you have the ability to make this happen. We pray that your grace would flow outward from us to other people, so that many people may experience your goodness in their lives, and that they would praise you and glorify you and receive your help in their life as well. Father, we, we pray in this regard especially for those members of our congregation who are under the discipline of the consistory, those who are withheld from our Lord's table. We ask, Father, that you please work re repentance and faith in their hearts so that they too may, shall, may share in the communion of Christ and that they may again celebrate this Lord's Supper together with us. Your Father in heaven, we also want to entrust to your care the Tenhaf family. Lord, we, we pray that you would be a father to them and that you would comfort them as they grieve. Father, we understand that their brother Harry had a, a difficult life, that he was isolated. And we're deeply grieved to hear that, that he decided to end his own life. Father, this is not your intention for us. You intend us to live in fellowship with you. You intend us to receive life as a gift out of your hand. And it's not for us to take our own lives. Lord, we, we have a hard time comprehending how our brother could do this. And yet at the same time, Lord, you are God. And you know. You know the circumstances. And you know what was going on in our brother's heart. And we pray, Father, then, that you would, you would please grant your mercy to this family as they grieve his loss. We ask, Lord, that you would comfort them with your Holy Spirit, that you carry them through this time. Dear Lord in heaven, we, we realize how much we need you. At the same time, we, we understand that, that ultimately life and death are in your hands, that you are the one who determines the day of our birth, and you are the one who determines the day of our death. Father in heaven, we, we thank you that you also give us new life. Thank you so much that a brother and sister Brad can receive a, a healthy baby girl, that Catherine could be born, that all things could be well. We want to ask, Father, that you please be near to her, 
that she may grow up to know you and to love you. We look forward to the time where she's able to receive the sacrament of baptism, that she can receive the sign that she's included in your family. And we ask, Lord, that you would please extend your covenant blessings to her. Please be a father to her. And please grant that for Jesus' sake that you would forgive her all her sins. And please also work in her heart with your Holy Spirit that she may believe in you, that she can experience the peace and joy that you give your people. Father, bless our brother and sister to this end, that they may raise their children to know and love you, and that it may go well for them. Please shine your face on this family. We ask, Lord, that you do the same for, for all of us. As we raise our children, grant that we may have the wisdom we need to teach them to walk in your ways, that we can encourage them and show them what it means to be good, and that we can, in this way, raise our children to walk in the goodness that you give through, through the spirit of grace. Father, we pray that you'd also please take care of our, our, our brother, candidate Tim Slaw, and his wife as they consider the call that we've extended to them. Thank you so much, Lord, that he's able to pass his class exam. We want to ask you, Lord, that you grant our brother wisdom as he considers our call and also the other calls. Lord, thank you that, that you blessed his ministry with these calls, and we pray that you would please work in his life to understand where you call him to serve and how he can use his gifts in the service of your name. Father, we have our eye on the mission field that we are supporting. And if it's your will, we pray that you bring him to us so that he's able to continue the work, that it may go on in P&G, that the congregations around Port Moresby may be blessed also through his leadership, and that the mission work can go on under your blessing. Father, thank you that we have the opportunity to support this work, and thank you for your grace and your blessing upon it. We ask now that you also receive the thank offerings that we give to you for this work, and that these, the money that we give can be well used, that it can be used to the proclamation of the gospel and the support of the families who we're, we're able to, to support. Please accept our thanks, please hear our prayer, and please do it in Christ's name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, you have the opportunity to give your thank offerings for the mission work in P&G. Thereafter, you're invited to rise, and we're going to sing together from hymn 48, verses 2 and 3.
Receive now the blessing of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.